G'day mates, ladies and gents, and wherever you may fall on the gender spectrum, I guess. Uh, you're tuned in to Frivolous Gravitas Podcast with myself, Christopher Driver, and my delightfully lovely co-host, Mr. Jordan Roy, co-producer as well. He's a man of many talents. So wherever you're listening to us, over whether it's over iTunes or YouTube or wherever you get your consume your brain food, um, welcome. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about adulthood and its many forms and varieties and the important um, factors that uh, sort of hinge upon what our, our conception of idealist views of adulthood, uh, as well as the biological adulthoods, I'm guessing we'll probably cover as well. So before we get too deep into uh, the subject, uh, I just want to stop and sort of mention where I'm coming from, just so that we have some kind of baseline of uh, uh, the sides to the, to the discussion um, from the outset. So we don't we know that adulthood didn't pay you off to make it sound good. Yeah, yeah. I'm not endorsed <laughs> or sponsored by adulthood by any by any means. <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> uh, no, primarily in in my understanding of it and. Uh, exposure to it is just based on my upbringing. So there's biological adulthood, which is just the maturity of sex organs and, you know, puberty and stuff like that. The completion of that, I would consider maturity, physical maturity. Mm. Um, again, people are going to point out, well, ooh, there's one in a hundred thousand people who don't ever mature physically and whatever. I'm not talking about that. So <laughs> we're talking yeah. about not people with like distorted bodies. We're talking about Those- just... Well, those people are special cases that that require um, separate conversations uh, on their own. Yeah, so, and if, you can, if you can't figure out exactly what we're talking about, then you probably need a, another, right. another so, podcast or something. Suffice it to say, we're going under the um, assumption here that humanity grows up, puberty is the process that biologically gets you to this, and this is how we're generally programmed yeah and and that that's enough to have a discussion (laughs) yeah Um, the other side of adulthood i would say would be um like cultural so if you're raised in a church like if you're jewish or christian or something there's like a confirmation when you're 15 or 16 or the rite of passage with the bar mitzvah and the bat mitzvah and the jewish traditions that kind of thing um i'm sure we'll be touching on a bit of that but before we go in too deep i'm going to toss the mic over to jordan and ask him what his thoughts and opinions views and positions are all right well i'm really far away so before it lands i'll just say whatever i want no all right sorry my cat is deciding that he wants to get in on my life right now everybody this is pixel pixel you're so immature yeah (laughs) he's so grow up (laughs) so a lot of this comes from the uh i've been thinking about adulthood for a very 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 long time uh because um at one point in time believe it or not i wasn't an adult and some might even go and argue that i'm still not an adult but um no comment yeah (laughs) but i remember i think my earliest so there's gonna be a lot of weird anecdotes probably from both of us and i probably you guys can come up with your own anecdotes so if you have one that you're willing to share because um coming of age anecdotes are usually very full of cringe because of how stupid we were as children um <clears throat> and it's a so, funny cringe though yeah it's uh like well it's funny for other people well when we think about it ourselves it's just like why did i even why did that exist in the same universe as me um 
And you just want to hide under a rock and forget it ever had happened. Um, so you're not going to hear all of my stupid stuff, but <clears throat> one I'm willing to admit, and I apologize in advance for my uh, seasonal congestion. Uh, it may make me found, sound uh, um, a bit sexier, but I'm definitely going to be uh, skipping around a bit. <clears throat> so excuse me for that in advance. Um, so this comes from my thinking a lot, starting when I was uh, on my 14th birthday, actually, where I woke up and decided I needed to be a man. And um, I tell us one every once in a while. But uh, I woke up and I said, okay, I'm 14. I can't be a child anymore. I got to be a man. What are men? What are What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be uh, this or that? <clears throat> and I was like, well, way my way through puberty. Um, but because I was 14, I didn't know anything. And this is true, particularly of 100% of all 14 year olds. Um, but it's especially true about male 14 year olds, uh, who don't really finish um, puberty till or like maturing until well, a lot of them don't 23, I think is the yeah, the something consensus. Like that. Yeah. Which is um, like you're physically mature once you're, you know, once your kit's ready to go. But there's a lot more um, mental, like you still have a lot of mental stuff to go through. Your brain's not done developing. Your body still maintains a lot of like filling out in your early 20s, I remember. The um, kit even keeps filling out until you're in your mid 20s, <clears throat> I think. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Different for me so i'm like eh, awkward yeah anyway awkward so uh if your family watching this um you're welcome congrats you now know more about my penis than you wanted to jesus <laughs> <laughs> okay moving on so what it was for me societally was i had defined unconsciously that being a man and so when i say man and woman i mean like adult human so in contrast to boy and girl, a man for me was someone who was serious, someone who was, you know, not one to play games, not one to like someone who was, you know, all business all the time kind of thing, because adults and men are the ones who um, don't waste time with frivolous stuff, especially with frivolous gravitas. You think um, you got that mental image from your your dad or your father figure or anything like that, like <clears throat> TV or books you read or? Honestly, I think I got it from my perception of myself at the time because I think I had a very low perception of myself, and I think I saw myself as being quite frivolous, um, you know, wasting a lot of my time, not knowing what to do. Uh, I was just kind of being a dumb. 14 year old but i wanted was something more something more and like i know i'm being very vague here but that's it was a vague feeling i wanted something more serious so naturally what i did was i acted like an asshole for an entire year <laughs> <laughs> because it's just like no but in in retrospect that me acting like an asshole for an entire year was me playing with or you know, cosplaying as an adult, me pretending, trying to be what it was in as an adult. And everyone was still treating me like a child because, you know, well, 14, you're still a child. And which was 
not like how how they should have known what I thought of myself then or what I was trying to do. It's like no. So I was trying to actively reject things, and when their idea of me and my idea of me and my ideal ideal of me um, came out, what happened was nobody knew what the heck was going on, including me. And so, but I had definitely started some kind of um, journey to maturity, if to want to put it in a trite manner. But um, <clears throat> um, what had happened was it got me actually thinking for a long time, okay, I'm a boy now. Not now, but like then now. Um, and what does it actually mean for me to actually be a adult because like i could have a job a job adults have jobs it's like well i had a job as a teenager it doesn't really count and there's there's child minors all the way, everywhere that doesn't count so there's the there's the physical part of it which is obvious which we almost need don't even need to get into because it's just so obvious even though people are saying well it's not obvious it is obvious um there are obvious physical difference a man looks like a man you know i can grow a beard i have uh you know hair in my armpits i have weird marks on my neck or something smells I coming from everywhere yeah it's just <laughs> i never smelled like this before what the heck uh and you know your voice starts changing everything gets awkward and and it's just bad for everybody involved um but there's when i was getting closer to like actually being an adult i noticed that there were a lot of adults who were still acting like children and i thought okay there must be some quality about it and i kind of came to the conclusion that um it was a decisiveness which is kind of a not what i think of it now but i i had decided that what an adult was was someone who could make a decision and live with it so we're going this way and then just do it not to make a right decision because that takes uh, a certain amount of expertise and luck, but just to make a decision, to decide something, not to just sit there and, and let things happen to them, but to be the one who made a decision because you have children who are under the wards of their parents and their parents are the ones who decide, okay, we're going to, we're going to, we're eating in today. We're having mac and cheese tonight. We're doing this. And a child is one who gets good. It doesn't need to make the decisions. An adult is the one who will be the one who decides things for themselves, who will um, put, use their own action. And so that's what it seemed like to me. So what I needed to do was do my own action. And that's what would be. And if I got good at that, I would become, I guess, responsible. And what it, in hindsight, what this is just a definition of is, um, uh, personal responsibility. Um, but more succinctly, I would say it's the ability to just kind of say, I got this and not refer back to anyone else. Just so the ability of someone to like take, take charge kind of thing. Yeah. And this is kind of a very Jordan thing. Cause if I've decided on something and if I decided something's a good course of action, I'll do it. I do tend to have a bit of a leader mentality uh it's like oh yeah i'm a leader which is kind of a awful thing to say in public because you know anyone who calls himself a leader isn't a very good leader um 
but well, I that's think the, the setting changes that too though like we're having a discussion specifically on this so it's like mm -hmm. sort of reasonable for it to come up in conversation whereas like yeah. if you're sitting at a bar and making poop jokes and knock knock jokes and somebody just says i'm a grown-up yeah like... <laughs> well and that's <laughs> one of the things about you you hit on something really interesting there it's like one of the things about being an adult is you don't need to be told um you know and uh if you need to be if you need someone to tell you then you're not it's kind of like um that old margaret thatcher thing it's just like you, you don't need to be told you if you or was she talking about women or power but it's the same thing i don't remember the quote essentially um if you need to be told you're powerful then you're not <laughs> and so it's that kind of thing there's something about adulthood that we just all can recognize <clears throat> and i'm not sure that everybody does recognize it though that well it's a, it's an instinctual recognition and not like because a lot of people don't and I, even in my life there are people that still see me as a child um notably well, parents always do yeah your parents are always going to see you as uh you know a overgrown child it's like oh look at you i got you what your favorite toys it's like yo i'm 35. <laughs> and um here's that's... a naughty christmas sweater please wear it so i can take pictures and show my friends at church <laughs> yeah it's like don't you know i exclusively wear you know professor sweaters because they're so warm yeah, and comfy. my parents don't do that but the old ladies at church did that oh, <laughs> no geez. matter how old you are they just you want some candy from my pocket <laughs> no <laughs> it's like i'm uh I'm married and about to have kids. It's just like I'm plan we're planning kids and it's just like yeah, please treat me my age. <laughs> I'm not that kid. We don't have that relationship anymore. Um I'm self-sufficient. And that's kind of one of the things is that you look at someone who's an adult and you see uh there's a lot there. They don't just look older. They act a certain way there's a certain swagger about them there's a certain demeanor there's um some thing there that I'll, will make everyone be like mm, you know that person's a mature adult and in the same vein you get you get you look at someone who looks has the accoutrement of uh you know adulthood but then you'll you'll talk to them and you'll be like these these are children like um uh for my, example my, my upbringing cool. was kind of different um well yeah. actually it, it was very different but just for like a perspective analysis from it like I, I always wanted to be grown up because people wouldn't talk to me until i was grown up and it drove yeah. me insane like i had things i wanted to talk about like ask about the world and people's jobs and have those conversations that are obscenely young age <laughs> well, and so i did things like um uh, like I picked up smoking early and like I would do risky things like, you know, drive a car when I wasn't supposed to and things like that. And this is long before I even met you. I mean, like in my early, early teens. But like that to me sounds like you were practicing being an adult the same yeah. way I was being an asshole. You were that, driving cars and smoking and having part, arguments. Though, is like, yeah. um, like what was his name? Jeffrey Arnett or something like that had a book called The Emerging Adulthood. Mm -hmm. Um he goes he talks about this this phase and it's like a theory of his it's not actually like clinical or anything but he is a doctor but 
the, a phase of like between adolescence and adulthood and that's mm. all like the identity searching and like find focusing on your goals and being self-centered and you know the things that you do before you commit to obligations that prevent you from doing all that stuff mm-hmm. and that's like in a late teens early 20s type of phase but like my growth into um like when i used to look up to adults because they had all these like deeper conversations that i couldn't have with kids my age or even a couple of years older than me so they were all boring i wanted to start businesses and they wanted to talk about pokemon like yeah <laughs> um when i started working i i got this mad culture shock because I, I had never been around adults who acted like children before until I started my entry level jobs working with adults who were acting and behaving and speaking and everything like children, but they had like facial hair and the smells and the, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I do. Well, I've worked. But like- even worse, like my, my voice didn't change like ever. So <laughs> I've always had a high <laughs> voice. So I, I do that thing where you like waking up every day at 12, 13, 14, like hopefully today is the day. People are going to yeah. start listening to me because I don't sound like a child. And it just never happened. Well, because so it was like an added frustration of trying to grow up. And then I just overcompensated even more to the point that when I got work and I was an adult, I still couldn't talk to the people I work with. <laughs> because while well, I was doing the same thing, like, why aren't people seeing me as an adult? Well, it's that's external. You're waiting for the world. And this is what a lot of that's kind of a one of the things that shows childhood childishness mm-hmm. is expecting the world to change for you yeah for um, other people to notice to validate your own adulthood kind of thing like, how come you don't like and this is this is the same thing as like why aren't you using my pronouns it's like well because you're a you're a dude <laughs> i'm not a child <laughs> yeah and like i'm not gonna change the way i act for you like i'm gonna change the way i act based on uh subtle social cues that will allow for, you know, a harmony of action in whatever realm we're taking, which is a fun, a fancy way of saying like social cohesion. Like I'm going to work towards what gets, you know, first, what gets the task we're doing done. And second, what maintains the cohesion of the group so the task can get done. And third, so maybe I can make friends. I don't know. Talk to people, enjoy my time there. But like this, these things are not revolving around me that 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 self-centeredness that we have as kids like why aren't people treating me like an adult i don't can't they see i'm 14 or like you it's just like i can i can do all the things that uh an adult do and you were taking the accoutrement of you know uh of uh of adulthood the things that you saw adults doing but i was but, seeking the acknowledgement that was the immaturity right right I was when waiting and hoping that people would be like oh this kid is so old, old young for his age or old for his age or whatever they mm-hmm. you're an old soul like how many times you've heard that and like oh, i used Jesus. to think that meant something and it absolutely does not <laughs> yeah or i'm an in oh my like i don't know how many times like my mom called me like an indico child it's like that's dumb it's ascribing to me something metaphysical that like you have to get my physical together before I can get my metaphysical together. Although some people might disagree, but that would be a metaphysical lie in any case. (laughs) Um, So long as they use a mature brain to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And so brain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, but like you see this in movies too and a lot of people have a maybe almost to a detrimental extent you see people like who are adults and being adult means being hard boiled and hard and i think i talked about this in our cynicism episode a lot um when we 
kind of ranted about cynicism because you get like someone who just be sit there and they're drinking and they're smoking going like the world sucks and I hate it. <laughs> and it's just, it's so childish because you have this person who's just sitting there suffering, blaming the world for their problems. Oh, sorry. I just sat down and got comfy <laughs> who, uh, uh, sitting there blaming the world for their problems. And, um, what, in reality, it is is just these these childish adults, uh, um, who are. Let me just shake my brain back into place. <laughs> I was about to repeat myself for the fourth time. But interestingly, though, there are tons of adults who do childish things who are still considered adults. Like there are, there's always like the uh, the neat auntie who, who sits cross-legged on the couch and like doesn't sit upright like the normal people do, or like right. you know people like us who sit on the chair with our knees pointed straight up and you know moving around. Like I used to think that type of thing was childish until you know again later well, on in life i realized that i'm not the only adult who acts like a child like behaviorally well, to that that seems like there's there's two threads to that and one is there's 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 adults who never grew up who act like that and you just kind of look at them with disdain uh, or like you know just sweep the floor um <laughs> oof. but um the adults that but then there's adults who have grown up We've taken all that personal responsibility that we was talking about. People who will just, who have mastered their own life to some extent. And that's kind of what that means a bit. Um, found who they are, know what they want. But then at the same time, after they've done that, they've rediscovered what it meant to be, you know, a child. You know, because you do have to get rid of a bit to become an adult you have to be okay i'm not going to do that for a while. i'm not going to do that and then when you grow an adult and you got you know you're, you're stable i'm a stable adult now it's like what are you going to do i want to make model cars again i don't want to stop doing that and they'll go they'll they'll make they'll, they'll join like a uh, like you get um old guys who join uh model train clubs and this is a big thing with older men oh totally uh, and like there's one in the mall over here in bonnie dune there's like a model train store and or um one of the big things now for uh adult men is uh you get like playing warhammer or something which is a game but you also get to paint it and uh it's kind of dangerous because that looks like an add guy's dream <laughs> but it also looks like it would take my, all my money away so well it's the same with those train sets when you see people painting like every little tree that they place on their on their mats like mm -hmm. i used to go to people's houses like uh from church and they'd have uh like dinners and lunches or whatever when they have a bunch of people over you'd be yeah. surprised how many of those guys had train sets like really big cool train sets that yeah. take up a whole room you know and it's but something the interesting be... thing is when you're a kid you sort of overemphasize those little things as thinking that that's childish like your mm -hmm. idea of childishness is overemphasizing things that don't matter and underappreciating things that do matter like responsibility like you said when I was a kid, I never thought of adulthood being responsible. I thought of adulthood being freedom. Yes. But freedom comes with responsibility. You can't just, you know, well, when you're a kid you have, every day, <laughs> you have a different kind of freedom. You have, well, when you're an adult, you have freedom. You do, but it's a freedom that it's that responsible freedom that everyone like, you know, that kind of freedom, like, uh, you can write about anything you want, but you have to do the work. I'm giving you perfect freedom here to write about whatever you want. But and you also just, take the consequences of your writing and your words. Right. Well, when you're a kid, you have the freedom to explore and this, and it's just okay. You're, 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 and make you have, noise and be vulgar. And <laughs> it's kind of like being in a garden. 
versus you literally get away with murder when you're a kid. Yeah, <laughs> but th- like I, you think of childhood play as like you're in a garden, you're you're running around, and adulthood, where it's like now you're in a um, now you're in a forest. It's dangerous. It's still fun, but now you got to watch out. You have freedom, but there's consequences to this now. You like, can make and, fire, but you can also burn the forest down and kill yourself. <laughs> right. And when you're a kid, play is also geared a lot towards, um, sorry, that was gross. Uh, play is geared towards um, exploration and learning. It's like, oh, this is going to, uh, you're practicing being an adult a lot of times is what a lot of these developmental psychologists call it. So socialization too, like socialization. playing with rules and following each other's yeah. like you know, oh, agreeing with are... each other's uh, imaginations. Like you have to take some ideas from other people, some ideas from yours. I remember soccer games turning into just, so everyone would just stop playing soccer and we just stand around the ball, like lazily kicking it about being like, no, if this guy headbutts it into the thing, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't headbutt it into the net. Yeah, you can. I've seen it. And you know, I've seen it at UFC. You can do it in the game I played. Oh no. But like in this game, you can't, well, I think we should allow it. And then, you know, 15 minutes later when the recess bell goes, everyone's been standing around instead of playing, they've been having a massive amount of fun time, even though it seems like they wasted their time. It was still kind of like strangely fun discussing what it meant to throw a ball when you bounce it twice and you're playing this rule building game but and as an adult watching that that must be fascinating to watch a group of 15 kids that can do anything on the playground just standing there and having diplomatic arguments like yeah (laughs) i would be so proud of that class (laughs) yeah and then like we played we we made up rules for a game called kickball i remember in grade four or five where um we'd wait till the uh, it was like nice and iced over on this concrete slab. And there was two um, nets, which were those, um, there's like steel beams with a, a foot boot scraper. So you could scrape your boots off. Those would be the nets because they were right across from each other. And instead of a soccer ball, we'd have a tennis ball, which was nice and hard to kick. And um, we would just make two teams and it would pretty much just be like anything goes soccer. Um, but you couldn't like, uh, the teachers hated it and it was, you know, violent we, it, was, hell. it was so violent, <laughs> but we learned so much and I, I like, I, I'm definitely, or, um, I guess the other aspect of it would be, that's the rule building that socialization, but the other aspect of child play, I would say is, um, exploration. Cause one of the things I did the most when I was a kid was just hop on my bike and go, I would just explore i mapped in my head perfectly the subdivision i lived in uh and the next one over because i could and the only thing stopping me was my fitness so the more fit i got the more exploration i could do and if i found all the nooks and crannies it was like discovering magic when i was a kid and nowadays that translates into the like why don't we just do this why don't we just do that like what's stopping me nothing uh, well, you know, I don't know, which is now not really part of my vocabulary unless it's like, no, we could actually, you know, get put in jail. <laughs> but um, the that aspect of it was, was was very healthy. Now, to contrast this, when you rediscover your childhood, you're not doing it because you want it. You have an appreciation for the thing, for the thing in itself. So you're playing with trains, quay trains qua trains which is another word never mind um you're doing 
you're playing with trains because of the thing in itself. You're um, you're going out with your friends to play soccer for the thing in itself because you're fully aware that this is an excuse to uh, get out and meet your friends, and you, you know what's going on. You know it's, but you're not. You have a mature appreciation for it, which is kind of like but we're so much more efficient with our socialization as adults. You know what I mean? Like we can get together with a two second phone call. It doesn't take a lot of organization or planning. Mm-hmm. Like when you're a kid, you have to you, you're not socialized well enough to have those types of conversations quickly and effectively. Yeah, it's, it's like, what do you want? Oh, I don't know. Oh, but not that. And, and you know what? Some adults never grow out of that that's one of those things that i'd like to talk about today too but not necessarily yeah, well, right away. i do want to get into failure to launch and stuff like that but, but, um, but get in getting back to like the childhood to adulthood thing just the compare and contrasting um even with adolescence i find um i, I wasn't very good at coordinating social engagements as an adolescent i, I was just strictly in the moment now kind of whatever caught my attention i just zoomed to it i had no forethought whatsoever about what what was fun if i saw a bug and i sat down and started watching a bug (laughs) i didn't care who looked at me who saw me who thought i was weird it was like i'm a kid i'm allowed to look at bugs like (laughs) that's a normal thing but having that type of perspective made me kind of also think like oh one day i won't be allowed to or it won't be um permissible or like socially acceptable to do certain things. So mm-hmm. I almost felt like I had to do some things while I was a child because that would be my only opportunity. And I think that's a, a false narrative if you want to call it that, but it is just something I made up in my head and believed blindly. No, I got but, a lot of that same thing from, I guess it was from the media. Well, in the nineties, that's kind of eighties and nineties when that childhood worship stuff started. Mm-hmm. where it's like everything's great when you're a kid and they were marketing everything with children on them it's just started to get really creepy and there's this definite trend in our society about worshiping worshiping childhood because and we definitely got into this with the cynicism episode where we have you know this dichotomy between adulthood and childhood but uh essentially you think that and we're told that and you know it's like oh i'm a child so i'm allowed to do this or i'm a child so i'm a free spirit or i'm a child so i'm like this no none of that is real what you're if you're a child you're one of the defining features of being a child is being dumb um but they're smarter than you think it's like yes because they're still dumb we're dumb too (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so what it's actually really interesting too that you mentioned that because um like the generation difference i think a Mm -hmm. lot of people think that's just like a make-believe thing but there's like an economic value to it and like the demographics having changed Mm -hmm. once the boomers were old enough to start having kids all of the marketing was being pushed to kids and to parents there was no in between and now that all the boomers are retiring in their senior years you'll notice that all the advertisings about like ibs and psoriasis and maybe (laughs) diabetes and weight loss and all that so like demographics like could be changed the psyches of generations just based on the media we consume based on the demographic change which i think is fascinating well part of that could be that you're not watching like I don't know, Teletoon anymore or something. I'm not watching any TV anymore. <laughs> yeah, don't watch TV, people. But I used to watch the news when I was a kid, so I, I do have apples to apples oh, comparisons. I did that too. 
I used to, I remember watching a kid as an, uh, uh, the news and I'll be like, you're watching CBC, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, I'm so adult right now. Yeah. <laughs> and then now looking back, it's like, man, they were just, the news doesn't tell me anything. I just felt like I was being told stuff and studying and, you know, being responsible. But every and, time they showed a picture of another place in the world, it was a country I'd never heard of from a continent I didn't know mm -hmm. existed in a biome I didn't know existed with people that I've never, like everything was new on the news. Mom, where's so, Kosovo? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I, I had nothing to do with, like, I had no knowledge whatsoever of the events that were going on, but the news mm -hmm. would show me real places with real things and real people. And it was like comparing that to a movie of police academy where everybody's just silly and dumb like you know I'll, I'll take the news five times out of ten yeah and well and like children's edu uh what do you call that entertainment is notoriously uh either way too pedagogic you know like we're gonna teach you something this is gonna this is a learning experience but it isn't because it teaches you like to count to four it's mm -hmm. ages seven to ten it's like oh come on and <laughs> and or um it's just absolute nonsense uh and it, like geared towards kids and there's very few actual children's programs that are actually you know takes children seriously but, but for context, like before the internet, kids used to like, when they go visit each other or whatever, one of the things you do when you're bored on a sleepover is you go through the encyclopedia set. Oh man, I would You know what yeah. I mean? Like, Cause there's pictures of stuff in there. Yeah, exactly. It's it, like it look was, up airplane and it's just a bunch of like World War II bombers. And it's like, cool. I think it's important to mention that too. Cause I think a lot of people, anybody who's younger than 30 right now, probably never even had that experience. They've always had Google, you know? Well, the other thing is that kids also used to be able to, um, now we're, geez, we're starting to sound like that. You know, oh, yeah, kids these old. days. We're, we're way over the hill. <laughs> so kids these days aren't allowed off their property or something like that. Like, I don't know. In a lot of, at least I remember Winnipeg kids weren't, it was seen as, you know, gauche to let your kids play in the front yard. Uh, and so you now had to have or a, back in the day. Well, now I would just, I would go off. Yeah, back in the day, we just had the streets are full of kids back then. Yeah. And, you know, like kids need to be attended at all times. And it's like, no, that's, it's not both. Well, they could, do you want your kid to get hit by a car? It's like that argument is terrible. I hate when people say, well, would you want this? It's like, no, that's not what I'm asking for. Like, part of growing up is accepting risk. And, and not part of being stupid a, ultimatums like that. <laughs> yeah. Part of being a kid is learning how to deal with that risk because well we're risking stuff every day uh like oh i want to drink this oh but it's got a lot of caffeine is caffeine actually bad for me you have to weigh the risks and it's just like maybe i should drink tea instead of coffee less caffeine or something and um, marginally. <laughs> marginally um but the you need to play with risks in order to understand how to deal with them as so part how do of do adults deal with risk based on like relative to their childhoods well you learn how to do the calculation i guess and plus then you learn how to be like okay i'm gonna lose something here but don't you find adults are more risk averse than children in not every case but most cases nowadays yeah <laughs> but like hmm like I, I know people who won't invest in the stock market because there's way too much risk in the stock market, but these same people would kick firecrackers with me in a parking lot. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? At, at some point, their calculations almost go overboard. Like they over, over, what do you call that? When you over jump the uh, gradient descent, overshooting? What overkill. <laughs> but, nah. Well, we talked a lot about this in my, in, the, in my safety episode. Well, I guess I did lead that episode. But the, um, I think in the did. safety episode, we talked a lot about that. Like safety has in its relation to risk. I think a lot of times, like in our worship of children, that we think that no risk is worth the life of our child. And you hear that all the time. And it's just like, it's and just, life is totally worth the life of your child. Yes. <laughs> it's the life of your child. Yeah, not that you could, want them to be gone, but you want them to live. You don't have kids for them to not live. That's not the a, point. I was reading a book. I think actually it was yesterday. And this parent said, okay, we'll let ground rules happen when they were raising their kids. And they say, okay, we have ground rules for risk. This and this don't risk that, you know, your head, mm -hmm. your torso, your heart, you know, don't risk anything, you know, here, here, limbs, uh, extremities, shoulders, skin, fair go nuts, game. fair <laughs> game. You like, you should end your childhood with a couple wicked scars, <laughs> totally. but you should be able to learn those risks. And some of the, you start with easy things and eventually an adult, I guess, here's what I'm going to argue is that an adult is someone who's properly constructed a mode that allows them to ride the line between risk and uh, safety uh, or uh, risk and danger where they can understand what they're getting into. I guess an adult is someone who has learned the calculus um, of that. And it's good to start with something simple like, you know, don't put your head in danger wear a scarf like well i'm cool because i'm not wearing a scarf in, in 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 the winter it's like well okay you've been watching too much game of thrones where they just have their heads uncovered up at the wall and it's just anyone in canada is just like those guys have pneumonia <laughs> so hard right now yeah. <laughs> and and you just like put a hat on john snow geez but at the same time, you know, you know that a kid can die from pneumonia. So what do you do? Well, now you can get him vaccinated. In fact, I'm vaccinated for pneumonia now. Go get your pneumonia vaccine right now. Everybody. PSA. Uh, service yeah, PSA. announcement. <laughs> I, I didn't know there was one and I was so hyped when I learned. I didn't it. know there was one either until you told me. So glad you <laughs> so, mentioned it. Yeah. But the thing is, a good way to stop yourself from getting pneumonia in the winter is to wear a hat and wear a... <clears throat> Uh, scarf something to cover your your breath holes in your neck and your respiratory system from freezing up because a lot of that is stuff that can freeze yeah it's um, just inflammation of like the small little pockets that hold air in your lungs that convert it into the, the blood i think yeah so when you learn up. <laughs> to do this you learn all these little calculations as your kid and it takes a lot because you learn a lot of little calculations until your whole calculus is done and then once you figure it's like okay once you got it, once you figure out, okay, I think I can do this on my own because there's a certain amount of independence with it that comes with growing up. And that's kind of, I keep coming back to that and I can't not because once you got your calculus, then you can start your kind of post-adolescence where you be like, okay, I'm going to try some stuff. And boy, did I try some stuff. I think we all did. Um, where I like started getting a job and was like, okay, now I'm going to make money on my own. And it's like, oh boy, do I suck at waking up early? Now I got to figure this out. Now do I suck? But now I'm attaching that calculus, all those things I learned 
unconsciously into the world. And now I'm learning to get, I'm taking some steps, but those steps are on my own. And I found whenever I took steps on my own, it was better than if I asked for help, which is strange because I say, oh, you know, make sure to ask for help. It's like, well, I'll ask for help when I've ex- exhausted my faculties. Like if I've sat there, like I've got a problem at work, I'm going to stare at the problem for an hour before I'm like, yeah, I need help. <laughs> I can't. And that's kind of what they want from you. They want you to fix the problem because if they need to go fix the problem, well, they either fire you with someone who knows how to do the problem or uh, they could just do it on their own. Well, then why would they hire you in the first place? So you are there as an independent uh, entity doing independent work for the most part. And so you need to act as if you are a fully capable independent entity in the world. And part of that is learning how to act, that socialization, that, 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 that enculturation, which is... Uh, word that I keep having to find. So you become more. I think Arnett called it uh, emerging, emerging adulthood. Who called it? That, uh, that Dr. Jeffrey Arnett. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 He wrote wrote a book on it (laughs) or it was a thesis that turned into a book, but that's usually how it happens. Yeah. (laughs) I think my, my my wife keeps pushing me to get my doctorate and it's probably going to end up being my first chapter expanded into a book. But uh, I, I do think, though, like the way we've changed to raising kids towards the safety, like we talked about in that safety episode there, mm-hmm. I think that's going to cha- have like long lasting effects on people's maturity. And when we're talking about adulthood, I'm specifically referring back to that whole maturity thing. Mm-hmm. Cause like, it's one thing that, you know, we can still make poop and fart jokes and stuff at 30, 40, 80. It doesn't matter. Right. Leave it there. The, high quality poop and fart jokes right it's the quality not the not the content itself for its merit they become feces jokes (laughs) they are feces farces fecal farcical feces anyway yeah Yeah. but yeah i think that's the big difference because like when kids make jokes uh sometimes they don't even get simple puns but when adults make jokes with puns in it like everybody gets it yeah you know what i mean and, and I, I think that difference is um, it is biological in the sense that your brain is functioning at a different level, but you've primed it for all these years, having tried and failed the stupid things and then realized the easiest way of going about things like being straightforward when you're communicating to somebody, hey, let's meet at this time. Is that good for you? Yes or no. OK, done. Let's go. Right. Whereas you tried. Like, should, should we do it in seven minutes? Should we do it in 15 yeah. minutes? Is anybody well, watching? That's from being like, that's from like trial and error over the course of like 20 years. Like, yeah. You know, so I think like preventing kids from having that trial and error makes adults that are just mentally stunted. Like, right. Boom. And you see this all the time. And I, I do remember like, there's a difference between, uh, to provide an example, I guess, you know, there's a difference between, hey, maybe do you want to go out and, you know, go on a date with me? Blah, blah, blah. It's just like the girl's just like, because she's also as awkward yeah maybe i do i don't know you think that would be fun someone watching is just like (laughs) kind of sort of a little bit like you like as a friend kind of thing but you know but but maybe not (laughs) and you know the the adults just like just hold her hand already geez yeah just kiss her no it's a microaggression (laughs) yeah well that's That's harassment and i think that comes down to like time and place but also 
mastering those little things. Cause I remember I, I was doing interview, like job interviews constantly. And I can be a bit of an awkward fellow sometimes, but I was doing so many job interviews in like a six months, six month period or something or over a year. Uh, Cause I was like in and out of like five or six jobs. It was just an unfortunate chain of like, oh, I really shouldn't be working here. I'm going to get another job. Oh, this was, this is way worse. Yeah. I need to go get another job. Okay. Now I'm a server. I'm making tips and, uh, and my job sucks. Oh, wait, there's another better server job over there. Oh, now we'll look an actual job for me in a museum. I'm going to go do that. And so just kept doing interviews and I was getting, I was acing every interview after a while because I just knew what I needed to say. And I was just like sitting there. I was just, I would be like, yeah, you should hire me for these reasons. And I was just walking in with, you know, I guess, uh, large phallus energy and acting like I already worked there. And people were like, oh yeah, this guy does know his stuff. It's like, yeah, because I was the, I was practicing by doing the thing. And that's what, and I got confident in it because I was confident in actual ability instead of like a false confidence, you know, that, oh, I've got imposter syndrome. It's like, well, you have imposter syndrome because you are an imposter. Okay, maybe there are people that actually do have that, and we all do have it to some extent, but that's neither here nor there, and that's a complete digression. So let's get off that and get back onto your point, which was man children. <laughs> Growing into it, yeah. Like when you're when you're prevented from having those types of awkwardnesses in your youth, those situations mm-hmm. that everybody should just kind of go through as a matter of course to gain common sense to mm-hmm. move forward with. Like little things, like when I when I got one of my first jobs, it was like uh, uh, people would, um, the people I was working with would be surprised. Oh, you don't know how to use a mop? You've never mopped before? And I was like kind of sheepishly embarrassed. No, please show me how to mop. But like I've met 30-year-old people then later on at work who I've hired and have like university degrees and they don't know how to operate a mop. Yeah. And I'm like, I was ridiculed, like, you know, passively teased for being a 14 year old who'd, who'd never touched a mop before. Well, but mopping like 30 <laughs> mopping is a discreet skill. And it's like you can and then like it says something about someone, just like you say, like, you don't know how to mop. You've never like just sat down and mopped like, wait, do you live on do you, you live on your own? Right. Like, but even if you don't like you should still do something like right. that once and a so, year you know like imagine if you've like i've i don't know i remember when you you were working flooring and you hooked me up with one of the subcontractors i swept so many floors that summer <laughs> <laughs> but um it's a discrete skill you get better at it after a while and yeah. you learn it's like i can do this while there's a technique to it <laughs> yeah there's there is a bit of a technique to it and it's not hard to learn but the fact is, it's like, you don't know it. It's telling me a lot about you, but that's a discrete skill. But when someone has like, can you not talk to people or you get someone who won't go on the phone, they won't make phone calls. They've never learned uh, digital conversation etiquette. So like, uh, or something like we're doing now. Or people who type in caps, like, God, where do you learn this? <laughs> or Yeah. And you have these things that they just like, you didn't learn this and it's like wait why didn't you learn this this is a requisite for this job you need to be able to call people constantly and so when i was working the video store one of the things we had to do every night was call a list of people being saying bring back your movie mm-hmm. <laughs> like i'm charging you <laughs> i'm charging you if you don't like i give them a grace period because you know the bedroom yeah. community was you know 20 minutes you out need the like, repeat I'm, business I'm, in a small town <laughs> I forgave a lot of late fees, but sometimes I was just kind of like, they have to. Yeah. And 
one of the things I would have to do is take my teenage employees is a movie store. You don't hire like too many adults unless they're like, um, just moms. Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah. (laughs) No, that, sorry. It was Randy. Oh, geez. Randall. Randall. Randall Randall was the worst, but, um, he's my favorite, (laughs) but the, um, I'd have to sit them down and say, okay, call the people on the list. Here's the phone. They'd be like, you get all types of excuses. I don't want to do it. Uh, I've never called anyone before. It's like, what? Oh, I don't know how to use the phone. I'm like, beep, 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 go. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, eventually I would just stand there and do the job. Like I'd come in and be like, okay, you need to do the late list. It's like, I don't want to. It's like, did I stutter? Was that a suggestion? (laughs) (laughs) But um, what I would do is that they would just get used to it after a while after doing the thing, they would confront their demons, which is calling people randomly on the phone being like, Hey, this is Jay's video. Just letting you know that you have a movie that's due back soon, you know, blah. And then, you know, call them back after like a half hour and be like, yo. (laughs) And it's like, yeah. So the next time you call them, just get progressively and progressively more, um, stern, stern. Uh, and then uh, I'd like turn it up to 10 sometimes bring back movie. (laughs) And I'd go to their house and just be like, gish, gish, gish. <laughs> Molotov cocktail. <laughs> I get this broken CD or something. And uh, what would happen was um, they'd get better at it because they would just, you know, I guess this is that Jordan Peterson thing. You confront your demons and, you know, you come out a man or something. But it's, I guess, more in line with the Jungian. Um, What's that called? Uh, Here's the, the peril with the it, hero's journey where, you know, they, but the journey is like the hero's journey is like this thing where you go and you go in and then you come to, you come out greater and better. And I could give an entire lecture on this and I'm not going to, but essentially you come back a master of yourself and your world, but in a microcosm of this, you just pick up the phone, you call the random people, you do it and you do it enough times that it's not scary anymore. And that's microcosm of what it means to be an adult is like, you just deal with what you need to deal with. And eventually you master it. Or I think you need to have a whole collection of those types of experiences Mm -hmm. to finally get this larger picture of, of what we'd call maturity or adulthood. Yeah. And I think that's, what's being stunted when we're showing, um, like we talked about in our last episode or whatever, with the gratuitous reward system, while also not challenging people while also keeping them too safe, like this huge confluence of conditions are coming together and like conspiring against future growth of humanity. Mm -hmm. Like, our, our children are growing up in an environment that is completely separate from reality. Oh, and yeah. now they're becoming adults with degrees who are spending their education and all, all of that effort and energy that went into producing them as, as like productive adults. They're spending it like fighting microaggressions and creating isms to call and champion for and, you know, being protesters without any cause or activation and, um, like not having solutions to the problems that they're complaining about. It's like the like, things that we expect a professional expert who's trained and went through university and acquired a degree and has like mastery of some type of field of study or body of mm-hmm. work, right? You expect them to positively contribute to the, the growth and progression of society, but they're stunted. And in that, um, that retardation, for lack of a better word, 
what they're doing is they're causing worse on the few, the next generation before them. Like right. they're making it twice as bad by um by the way they're going about their setting up their 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 isms. Like they're constructing their arguments based on childish premises, premises. premises? No, and that's I'm actually teaching premises on uh in a couple of my classes and you know why is this premises why does this premises work and the like a lot of our premises right now are like a lot of the premises that we're setting up you want to be a mature adult when you grow up you're not growing up to be a kid uh you know don't name your kid like billy name him william because that's the man he's gonna be and so you want to name him in expectation of what he's gonna be but the premises are is that um you know we ha- we're giving them like safety is the most important your health is the most important thing you have sounds good and in fact you know being having gone through uh, a period of ill health um i can understand that but i know it's wrong because um the thing that i was reaching for the entire time was not Oh, I want to be healthy. No, no, because you want to be healthy so you can do the things that are most important. The premise is bad and um, your health is the most important thing. The premise is bad because I'd rather spend, you know, if I'm healthy and haven't met my wife or can't spend any time with my wife, then it doesn't matter that I'm healthy. I'm going to be miserable. Um, but if I'm if I'm sick, I'd rather be sick and be able to spend time with my wife than healthy and you know have her be in halifax for a year and a half because it doesn't matter so the premise is bad and this is this is one of the premises but the other you were working one of the big premises i think that you brought up was um well safety is one of the biggest ones but uh to try to move away from it there's a whole bunch like even with the health thing you've got a an epidemic of diabetes and obesity and all they're pushing is health you know what right. I mean? But everything they sell is sugar. We, well, like, and why don't you fix the problem? Fix well, the problem of people putting too much sugar in all your food. Like start lobbying towards some productive end rather than ca- chasting everything else as like some type of, uh, of evil goblin that you just have to resist and, and fight back. And, or, like, no, there, there's a social problem with how much sugar is in our food and we're giving to kids because childhood obesity is a problem for everybody, not yeah. just for the people who have children. Like, well, it's like deal with it and like one of the things i like ask my students a lot when i'm like it's like oh man it's like and i'll bring up sports all the time to emphasize like move your body <laughs> and i'll tell them to work out but like a lot of it is i don't want to feel bad at any point but an adult would say how bad is this gonna be before it gets good and it's like you don't want to know it's like okay i don't want to know let's go <laughs> and uh a lot of times that's what it's gonna be like i've worked places where i would just suffer for 16 hours uh security was one of those places where it was just like guess what eight hours of shift of you know absolutely doing nothing that you like oh guess what the next guy's not coming in because he's being a man child and not owning up to his responsibility and i was just like awesome eight more hours of pay for me and that's what it seemed like to me i was just like the end is worth the thing, but a lot of times when you talk about like microaggressions and all this, it's just like these kids think that what is bad, like these signals of that we think of as something that's telling us what to do in a situation. You have this signal of negativity. Oh, I've got 
psychological pain. Why? Because you're being a cringy jerk in, in public. Maybe don't do that. Maybe this is something that isn't quite right. Analyze it. Uh, there's something there as, uh, oh, what was his name? The Book of the Five Rings, uh, Miyamoto Masashi is just where in his book he would just say, you should think on this. There's something here. Uh, meditate on this. Um, and instead of doing that, they say, no, no, I shouldn't have to feel like this all the time. I shouldn't have to put up with this type of rhetoric. Or I shouldn't have to deal with Nazis. It's like, well, you're not dealing with Nazis. You're on a university campus. If there's a <laughs> Nazi on a university campus, it's probably Halloween and somebody's doing a bad joke. <laughs> so I keep like, telling people who say Canada's turning into a fascist state or communist state. I'm like, look, just use a dictionary. That, that's my only advice for you. <laughs> if you think Canada is yeah. communist, get a dictionary. Like there's lots of communists here. That doesn't mean we're turning communist. I think right. we're becoming, I think our government is incompetent and I think they're using communistic rhetoric but that doesn't mean i think it's becoming communist yeah it's and just politics i am worried like we never about... blame capitalism for all of this we just say like oh communism creates this type of incompetence capitalism in government so like no good. people create this type of incompetence in government you get like business guys always the bad guy in movies and stuff like that and now we have kids the who scrooge. think that they don't want to work or something well scrooge was a bad businessman scrooge was a really good caricature of what the an evil businessman would be, you know, and he, he didn't take, uh, his, um, his partner for granted. He didn't, he saw only the short-term gains and not what the business itself could do for everyone around him. And that's why he lost everything. Well, that's uh, also how he acquired his wealth. It took right. that type of obsession, uh, like a obsession and focus to gain and amass that much wealth in that time. Well, his, like, people didn't just get rich, like with a dot com app. They, no, they created it was a um, bedroom, right? Because his 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 partner wasn't like that. And he had a partner who was probably his only friend. And uh, he wasn't like that. He, he was it's OK. I'm a businessman so I can enjoy my life. And we're getting a little off topic, but it's, yeah. it's, it, Dickens is so good. <laughs> Read the actual book. Don't watch one of the millions Scrooge of McDuck. Watch the yeah. DuckTales version. <laughs> Jeez. It, it, it's... No, it's always a good time to promote literature. Yeah. This is a great time of year to... Maybe I'll make my students read yeah, it again. Yeah, I'm indulging. Good, yeah. So, um, what... What was I talking about? But what was his partner growing the, up responsibility? Yeah. So a lot of okay. So I, we we're talking about university students who seem to be the most victimized and yet privileged people on the entire planet. And these, I know you think they've gone through like history or something. Well, and the thing is, is that in our society, we expect people to be adults or at least striving or at least pretending to be adults by the time they're eighteen. Yeah, they should be and, able to fake it. And then you have students being like, you're not catering to me. You're not doing this. And I remember being at a party with uh, this, my, the fellow, my wife's peers, peers, um, at, and it was like a Halloween party or a Christmas party or something. And all the students showed up and there I'm like, these guys are like 22, 23. Like, I know they're supposed to be a little rough around the edges, but like everyone's complaining about too much work. And I'm just like, you guys have it set. Like you guys have it made and you're complaining how you have to 
spend 170 bucks on a stethoscope and you have like a house in China or something like you <laughs> like you don't understand like you're not willing to take responsibility even though you have everything set out for you like I had to work my butt off to get through it and they have everything set and I think that's the problem you are not having to think about what you want to do with your life you're not having to confirm who you are you're just given something and therefore it doesn't mean anything to you but that's not a bad thing necessarily because some of us all of us well, most of us are going to be beneficiaries of someone else's charity at some point in our life but we need to be grateful for it not like oh well i just deserve that which is i guess the adult thing to do but one thing that struck me is that they're so fragile now a lot of what we've been doing over the course and what we've been talking about is our journey to become anti-fragile humans are anti-fragile you know we ran our bikes down a hill and you know hit the pavement it's like well guess what you hit your pavement you got a scrape in your arm but now you're more anti-fragile because you're gonna do it better the next time but if you haven't taken your licks the first punch is going to knock you out and the punches are a lot harder when you are in a when you're in i think responsibility even takes a bigger role in this too because like mm. when kids don't learn responsibility like the difference between child's responsibility like doing chores and having a job and going to school and doing your homework and that kind of thing bring your pens to class like i was yeah. terrible for that stuff as a kid but like growing into an adult when i realized how important it was that people didn't look at me as a kid I immediately changed all of my routines and behaviors and patterns like the things I did even when people weren't watching I practiced for when mm -hmm. people were watching and I think that's a sign of responsibility like taking ownership of a problem I almost never hear one of my employees or, or coworkers or something own a mistake they will constantly tell you how that mistake was externally uh, influenced by factors beyond their control mm -hmm. like excuses galore Oh. nobody takes ownership of their own problems and when i'm dealing with a client i just say straight up like if there's a problem they say well what happened here and i'm like i could explain it to you but it's my problem and i fixed it it shouldn't be your problem yeah happen again well i remember having a my teacher love that they want to deal with that like my warehouse guys were the same way when i was running uh crews through the uh in the flooring industry mm. like having the warehouse know ahead of time who's coming to their front door gives them just that 30 seconds, two minutes or whatever to have their stuff ready and pulled out or to move the machine out of the way or for everybody to not be in the bathroom at the same time. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that, that little bit of accountability and ownership and pride in your work, that's something I think that adults should all have had. And it used to be at one time when everybody like went to work at 15, 16, didn't finish high school. I think mm -hmm. they picked that up really young. But as time went on and as life got easier for everybody, and now university is just a baseline standard, we're basically pushing that responsibility thing off to like they're 19 when they're in university. And then they're like, we're going to start treating you like adults now. All right. Like they're just always, starting to treat them like adults. This is why I always advocate that our grandparents be... were having babies and getting married and going to wars and fighting for the country. Like, the yeah. maturity disparity between our generation and two generations prior just blows my mind. That's well, that's one of the reasons I talked about Remembrance Day so much in that one special is because like these people just stood up and said, "Yeah, this is something that needs to happen. Like sacrifices need to be made, and 
Yeah. Well, I'll do it. And like that, that level of maturity, like that hard decision is just like the moment you sign that paper, you might as well be saying I'm already dead. And to say that is that, that amount of like, I hope I don't ever have to do that, but if it comes to it, I'd rather it be me than my kids. Um, but it's, um, one of, Just taking you ownership of me, a problem to me is a sign of maturity. Of what somebody said to me, I think it was at the paint store. And it was this childish guy. He liked Star Wars a lot, but he was very, um, he got his stuff done. He never let it interfere with his work. And it was a hobby. And Star Wars? He just really liked Star Wars. It was How like, would that interfere with your work? It's a movie. <laughs> well, no, it was all like the memorabilia and he'd like have the game, he'd have these figures. It was just like, that was his thing. He just really liked Ugh. it. Well, whatever. It's, <laughs> he got his work done and he was good at it and he was responsible. But he'd always be like, everything is just an excuse. Just own it up and move on. Like, uh, like I don't like any time you say, oh, this is why it happened. It's like, it's just an excuse. Doesn't matter. This is what happened. It's being dealt with. And so like, no, every time you try and make an excuse, that's a bad move. Don't uh, like an excuse is actually kind of useless when you think about it. It's like, well, why did you do this? Oh, well, you know, it's like, you know what? That doesn't matter. It's actually Just, rude though. It's like a waste of my time. Like I hmm. don't care how you miss something. I yeah. don't care at all. Just well, because you're asking for forgiveness when forgiveness isn't the thing that like, oh, I'm sorry, I did a thing, you know, and then this happened and this happened. And that's why I'm late yeah. for work. It's I'm like, like people I don't make care. mistakes. You're forgiven, fixed. Yeah. Like just yeah, you're forgiven. Just <laughs> act like like move now. It's not like why did it happen? And everyone's like looking for justification for their inadequacy. Whereas or oh, retribution I... or retaliation, like they want punishment and like yeah. Schoolyard. What you can do is, okay, I screwed up. Now what do I need to do? Because you had to do something before and that's screwed up. But now you screwed up and you have a different set of problems in front of you. Okay, I did this and then this happened and then this happened and then now I'm, well, now I'm here and it took an hour longer, but it happened. And they're like, all right, good job. Here's another thing. And that's- Here's how to fix it. Instruction, guidance, that's productive. That That's useful. Yeah. One of the things I used to do was, that reminded me of also, is that um, I worked, used to work in restaurants and something happens every hour at a restaurant. There's just something wrong always at a restaurant. Like Dishwasher's broken. <laughs> always some stupid thing. And you're probably somewhat to blame for some of it, but there's really nothing you can do. So what I used to say is, was like, just on my days off, or uh, when you when I move on to another job, blame me, blame me for like three weeks after, and everything will go nice and clean. Because it, once if you have someone to blame, just like oh this is Jordan, he did this, uh, then everyone can be like yeah stupid Jordan, and then move on with their day. And everyone's like well why would we do that? It's so mean. It's like it's you're allowed to be mean, but like I don't care. It doesn't affect me. I'm not working here anymore. Like. And I would just take responsibility to move on with stuff. And like my wife says, she does this with her job all the time. Cause it's just like, Oh, who did this? Oh, it was me. All right, moving on. And you know, move on because if you stick around and worry about guilt 
and shame and you know consequences and recompense and we're all just sitting here being like now what should we do to you know chastise this person person it's like no what matters is well, i guess that's part of what being an adult is with seeing what is most important at a, at a time and for you when you were working at that uh distribution center for flooring time is money so if you let them know someone's coming you know you realize that what's most important isn't the feelings of this and that you're being polite but you're being polite towards the ultimate goal of uh your job which was getting supplies to the place and getting i, the I people. think that's a sign though like of what people should be learning when they have all these crappy jobs is learning how to figure out what the other mm. person's objectives are yes so, like when i realize that my warehouse guys don't have to work as hard if i give them more information if i put in a little bit of effort it saves them a ton of effort like to me that's just an economics what's well, that's a use of when i say empathy that's kind of what i'm talking about and like everyone's like oh you need to have more empathy and that means like have love for and like no that's that's like, nonsense no i'm at work when i, I say money like this is a I, game to me you know <laughs> yeah when i say empathy i'm not saying like oh we need to understand the other perspective so we can feel better no no empathy is okay the driver's coming in at this time he's probably gonna like it's first thing in the morning so i'm probably gonna need to explain it twice after explaining it twice to myself, because I'm also tired. That's empathy. Empathy is knowing just what people are thinking and doing and feeling at a certain moment. And sometimes it's just like, uh, what's wrong with you? Oh, I need to pee. Oh shit, go. <laughs> like, uh, and- It works for like even delays and stuff too, right? Like mm -hmm. if somebody's behind on their job and they need to swing by the warehouse uh, at the end of the day, you don't want to show up un unannounced at the last minute because then somebody's packed up and ready to go and ready to lock the door. Now they got to put everything down, open mm -hmm. up shop, turn all the lights back. All right. Just give them a phone call, a two, a one minute, not even a minute. You call up and say, Hey, there's going to be uh, a trades guy coming by right before you close. Cause he's late. Sorry. But at least, you know, right? Yeah. That type of thing is more like, um, to me, it's a sign of consideration, like a compassion for mankind, for other people and their work and their responsibilities. Well, but it's not something that they should break down and cry over if I don't do it. Well, and this, the you other thing I mean? is that the you can understand how like, oh, this guy's going to feel bad about it. And he's going to be angry. But part of being an adult is controlling your emotions. And if he's an adult and it's going to be like, all right, I'll do it, you know, that that like put my emotions down because it's not relevant. Oh no, you shouldn't. You should let your emotions out. It's like, not all the time. That's childish. Uh, because sometimes I need to control my emotions. You know, sometimes I'll get pissed when I do something wrong in the kitchen and I want to put a hole in the wall. And guess what? I don't put a hole in the wall. And you are going to feel like, oh man, I'm going to totally be putting this guy out by calling him and telling him to stay open for another three minutes, maybe mm -hmm. and do some work right before close, interrupt his closing routine or something. And you but know- the alternative is I say nothing and I leave and then I'm fine. Nobody calls me. It's just two other people bickering right. far away. But, but like this is something- anybody. But like, this is also- Oh yeah, but this brings up another problem, which is fear. And a lot of what we see here is a lot of people don't come to terms with uh, their, their 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 banal fears. They're like, like little disappointing other people, you mean? Yeah, like disappointing other people. Or um, one of my fears was being late, so I would just show up early to everything, which I thought was I don't know, it's not much. I of wish a everybody did that. <laughs> 
I would just show up like 30 minutes early for everything. It's like, why? Well, first of all, because I could. Second of all, because, you know, make sure. Plus, it gives me time to prepare. But no at the same. Hmm? Yeah. And no stress, like nothing worse than rushing to work and then rushing through work and then rushing home from like your life is just a constant ball of stress when you're when you're rushing. Right. Wow. So when we now fear is probably the most dangerous thing in our society, period. If you see something happening, uh, if there's a riot, it's from fear. If there is a movement of some sort, it's from fear. If there's a uh, political thing happening. It's, the bottom of it is fear. Fear is the thing that, you know, it's that old saying, the only thing to fear is fear itself. But fear is the enemy. It's the worst enemy we have, and it corrupts the most, more than anything else. All and it also fear is prevented by education, though. You'd think that would motivate people to know more, but it yeah. doesn't. Right. Like fear prevents people from starting to know more. People are so scared of fit, like a thick book. They won't even start it. Like, whoa, whoa, that's too much for me, man. Oh, I don't, yeah, it's scared. Like, yeah, I might not understand it. I might realize I'm, you know, this, then it paralyzes you. And the, the this, oh shit, I was going to say something really profound, but I forgot it. <laughs> um, but the, this, this, this fear that paralyzes it, it, it It allows you, one of the things it does is that, that, that it can do is paralyze you. And when you're a kid, everything is scary, uh, you know, because everything's bigger than you. But at the same time, if you never grow out of that, you know, oh, you know, it's like the fear of calling someone. And a lot of what we're talking about is this, you know, I don't want to call those people on the late lists because, you know, I don't know how they're going to react or uh, I don't want to go to work because I did a thing yesterday and I'm going to get yelled at or I can't do that because, you know, what if they find out I'm not good enough? And so what ends up is that fear will para fear paralyzes a lot of people. And the other side of that is what happens is it also paralyzes parents saying, oh, no, I can't let my 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 little baby boy do that because, you know, uh, I, I don't want him to get hurt or I don't want him to have a bad job because I don't want him to be, you know, unhappy at any time. So you ended up getting this. Um, paralyzation that also keeps these boys boys the problem is is that when you're paralyzed with fear your body is still maturing you're still going through puberty you're still turning 18 you you're you're, you're still going to turn 25 you're still going to turn 30 and the longer you're paralyzed the more you're waiting and i know this because well i was stagnant myself i was working in jobs that i shouldn't have been at some point it was actually um, the realization of what I had done. Hope, luckily, early enough, that put a better fear—you know, the fear of God—into me and pushed me back into uh, education because I had also I had a bunch of bad premises, um, and I saw what my fear was doing to me, and so that became a greater, more existential fear. But I only got that because I wasn't being sheltered, because I was out on my own, because I realized that if I don't do this, then I will come to a bad end. And that was scarier than just, you know, going in to the registrar's office and signing up for school, which was actually really hard for me because of certain things in my life that were, um, uh, 
I had a bad opinion of education earlier because of I had a bad education when I was a youth. Um, so I was actually afraid to go back in. But the fear of getting hurt, the fear of not coming through without any scars, the fear of, you know, little baby boy getting hurt, the fear, oh, you know, what if it doesn't work out? Well, that's too bad. You're going to have to go through it anyways. And I, we're seeing a lot of that. Like how many people, how many young men do we know that are still living with their parents when they're fully capable of just going out and getting a job and making some money and getting a place, even if it's crappy. Like, and I wouldn't know. I don't leave the house. <laughs> I know a couple. Um, I hear it's quite common these days though. Yeah. But I also I, hear house flipping is common. So I don't know how the two jive. <laughs> there's, there's like people who are flipping three and four houses a year and other people who are living in their basements while they're flipping houses. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> Well, to some extent, that's like, there are some people who are like, I'm going to live at home until I get my you know money. I guess that's, that's a calculation. But at the same time, one of the things that made me, the, the reason I'm so harping on this is because one of the things that made me grow up the, the, the fastest and the most effectively was moving out. All of a sudden you're on your own. You're responsible for yourself. It's like, whoa, boy, two yeah. weeks later, you'll be, you'll be an adult. I promise you. But you get to do all those things that you would have been ashamed to do before. Like when I first moved out, I'd order pizza like two days in a row and nobody <laughs> was there to snicker at me or whatever. Like just little things like that to experience just once in your life, like that over, over indulgence, just a little bit, just to know what it feels like. Cause you can never do it again. Once, once you're married and stuff, you're going to have a spouse who's like, or you're going to be encouraged to do it all the time if they enjoy that kind of thing. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Well, I went to full austerity mode when I moved out. Like I was buying. Well, I had to just because of finances. But... Yeah. <laughs> but you, but that it's the scarcity and it's the, it's the ad, ad, adversity that actually helped me grow because it, it creates that necessity because when you are going to a university and your parents are paying for it. And you are given, you know, it's like, oh, I'm a little low. I only have five grand in the bank. Oh no. And it's just like, I was, I was, uh, what do you call it? I had my like change jar. And I remember like, um, I remember rolling nickels to pay rent <laughs> and being like, oh boy, I'm not going to make it. I well, guess. On, honestly, I think the greatest education I ever got in my life was poverty. Like being yeah. poor changed my life from like childhood on. And then when you start to get things coming from a place of poverty, every little thing you appreciate. And then the yes. big things you really, really appreciate. Like that yeah. school admission, that thing that just looks like a cloud dream that maybe one day you'll be able to reach. Like for that to just be like, a oh, school, I don't want to go. Can't I take a year off? Like for that mentality to exist, well, you have to be coddled. It's like, yes. Oh, like if I have kids, I guess it's like, can I take a year off? It's like, yeah, you can take a year off. You don't have to go to school, yeah. but you can't live here and you have to get a job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to do I know a something. guy who works in a steel mill. He can get you working there. It's 14 hour days of absolute, you know. Or even if their dream is just to like make video games or something, and then they do it for a year at home and realize it's a lot of hard work, but they've learned something that whole time, even if they mm -hmm. weren't making money, like they have to do something. But like right. moving out, I was dirt poor because like more than half of my money went to my rent. But I had a nice apartment downtown. I had all the peace and quiet I wanted. It was perfectly spotless clean just every day I went home. Like mm -hmm. there were parts of it that I really, really enjoyed. Um, 
And before I could get like a relationship that was serious and like romantic or whatever, and like think of moving in with somebody else, I had to be able to also have had that experience to, to think back on, to be like, oh man, remember those days when I'd rent a movie and just sit in my empty apartment? It was just, you know, me or a blast my music at eight in the morning or whatever. Yeah. Like things that you can't do later on in life because of duties and obligations and commitments that you make, which are all very valuable. Like they're all worthwhile. But there's a point in your life that between adolescence and adulthood, that you can do things specifically that time that you can't ever do again. And I think people are missing that because well, when I you think look people romanticize that. time that you go to school before you're a professional and then you get a professional job and everybody coddles you and, you know, with like protecting you with pronoun usage and verbal violence that they call, you well, know what I mean? Like assault. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. not protected and you jump into the commitment phase. You never had that whole section of life where you were dirt poor, went out to parks and, you know, talk to hobos and, yeah, all, all the weird things that you, you wouldn't do when you're with somebody because you have company. It's just well, and that's a growth make, period, though. I I'm think that's a really a, important growth period that most people miss. I'm going to make a note here quickly for something. Um, but like one of the things that taught me, like I remember that that grace period where I could do whatever I want. I kind of had that when I was a teenager. And I didn't really do anything good with it because it was like, I didn't appreciate what I had. So like anything that I was doing, like, yeah, I can do whatever I want. I can, I can go and it's just like, wait, I've got no money. And I had that inkling. It's like, if you want to do it, like go get a job and then you can do it. But then I, I, I guess I must've skipped that phase, but uh, I don't remember really doing that. I remember being like, oh shit, I have to learn this. Oh shit. And it was just a gauntlet of and one of the one of the things that I remember the most was um, like two weeks into it, I remember calling my parents up and being like, yo, I don't have any toilet paper. And I almost like, so go buy some. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Like I could like, oh, yeah, toilet paper is my responsibility now. And it's just like this super banal thing that I just that, like. It and just then your clicked. brain like reshapes though. Like it yeah. starts to think of everything differently. When you go to the store, you don't just look for food. You're like, oh, soaps, dish soap, cleaning yeah. supplies, ass wipe, like, <laughs> carpet cleaner. Like my, that, at like that conversation, I just like clutch, you know, switch gear. All right, yeah. we're going to be here for a while. <laughs> and that was it. Cause I, I really like, Oh, things are my, like, I've got to just do it. Like I can't just let somebody else do it. And this is, this is why we're so pissed off at some of these kids who are like, Oh, you need to make sure like you go to like a university and you'll talk, like listen to the kids for a second. It's like, how come I didn't, you know, they didn't make the email, you know, clear enough, or they're not doing this well enough. I didn't get the necessary information. It's like, no, you failed. Period. Like they whine about marks and then they get an increase on their marks just because the teachers don't want to upset them yeah, because they're paying customers. Like, like honestly, look at how many students whine about their marks to their teachers. Like, if you get 88% and deserve 94, whatever, it's one grade. Like, or take the 88. Well, and I met students who were, would always be like, oh, I didn't get this grade. So I always just go complain every time. And it's just like, oh God. And they just change it. Like, yeah, honestly, if you're a teacher and someone does that to you, it's like, maybe you deserve to see 
In fact, you know what? C minus. <laughs> you know what? They'll pass people. The people that should be failing are getting degrees because they're whining about their grades. So without right. the knowledge, they're getting accredited. Well, that's the another other huge social problem. The problem they're is like that engineers. The, the they're teachers, building bridges and, and airports and shit. Well, the teachers are also students. And they're being like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to rock the boat. Oh, you know, I'm just, I'm afraid of conflict. So why don't we just have no conflict? And, and I don't want to be violent by accident. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, and everyone wants Concord um, to be in Concord with everybody. But that's not how things work. Like, that's why working in a, in a menial job or something like that is good because you learn how to be, and I think this is a good segue into what that note I made recently. Uh, is that this is a good way of mastering your dark side. And that's one thing you have to come to terms with when you become an adult and is there are times where you will need to be a bit of an ass, where you will need to be disagreeable, where you need to sit there obstinately and, you know, just be a bit of a jerk to get what you know needs to be done. And especially in self-defense. Like if you don't have like an aggression mode that's been mm -hmm. practiced and convincing, like you're a victim every time. Like I'll spot you from around the corner if I'm a thief and Mm -hmm. I will just follow you and rob you because it'll show in your, in your, in your character, your candor, your, what what did you call it? Your, um, your disposition or whatever. Yeah. It shows and it screams out. I'm vulnerable when you're constantly afraid or nervous about the world around you. Right. And like people take advantage of that like my uh the guy who um i'll just name him he's a jerk mike babinski uh who was a school trustee in winnipeg he would just strong arm people into getting what he wanted and he learned that aggression he didn't he guess he mastered his dark side but then he became you know he he let it control him you know in the whole jedi sense and so he became that aggression whereas what you want to do as an adult is come to terms with the more negative aspects of your personality and learn how to use them because you can't just be nice to everybody. This is not like, oh, we all need to just have more love in our lives. It's like, yeah, but how is love going to get that paperwork you said you were going to get done last week? You know, come on. And love doesn't mean soft. There is a hard love. Like Mm -hmm. when when I'm not doing well in school or, or I'm cussing out my teachers or something like that, you need to punish me. You absolutely have to show hard love. Otherwise, I think you don't care about me and I'm just going to keep doing it. Right. I I mean, I'm not alone in that. That's just like a psychological response. If you don't get punished for doing bad things that you know you shouldn't have done, like if you get away with it, you're just going to keep doing it. Like stealing or whatever, you you know, whatever kids do. One of the... That's part of showing love is the punishment. One of the... I just read... um, What was it? It was San Francisco, uh, San Francisco by... Uh, Michael Schellenberger, and he essentially is detailing how the drug response to San Francisco's uh, homeless population, it was essentially like, we just need to, you know, let them live their life and, you know, live their true life. And we need to give them drugs and places to live. And we can't, you know, be negative towards these guys. And no, these people who are on drugs need to be like, no, bad. <laughs> and well, they need to feel bad. <laughs> you can't punish people for addiction. That's more of a health no, problem. But you, they don't have they... health care in the States. So you're not helping people and you're saying they should go away in the most expensive city in the world to live. No, it's really not, harsh. Well, the thing is, is that they're not saying go away. They're saying, come here, here's some drugs. And then they're, they're, they're 
enabling it because they say, well, we're a drug positive area and they don't believe in things like, okay, treatment needs to be voluntary. You can't have involuntary, you know, drug treatments like, well, yeah, you can, <laughs> and you should. And all the cities that are doing involuntary drug treatment and getting them off and weaning them off are doing a lot better. And this is what exactly we're doing to our kids. We're saying like, whatever you think is best, you know, kids are, but kids are stupid. They need to be like shamed. And this comes down to, and I think it's exactly kind of what you were saying there is what we were in, what we were talking about earlier is that pain is a signal and psychological pain is a signal. Oh, I did something wrong. If I don't want to feel like this ever again, you know, if I feel like this, I'm doing something incorrect. It's not, you know, the world imposing it upon you. It's your body saying, yo, you're doing something wrong. And so this is the, I guess, the, the, the dichotomy that we have is that one group, I guess, thinks that pain is a thing that we shouldn't have to deal with. And another group thinks that pain is a signal that we should be listening to. I would and, make one minor correction to that, though, not yeah. to say that it's wrong or I disagree, but I think um, my point of approach would be slightly different in the sense that I think people are too ready to shoot out for um, for punishment now. And I'm talking about kids, children, raising a child into an adolescent. Yes, you punish them as adults. If somebody misspeaks or is a little abrasive or you don't like the ideas they, yeah. they harbor, but they keep to themselves. Like if I'm working with a Nazi, I don't have to like the fact that I like work next to a white supremacist. But if he never mentions white supremacy, or anything racist, I I have no right to complain, yeah. right? But well, they just met... want to punish people for the sake of them being bad people, right? Well, and you don't rather even than know working, where that guy's they want to create from. this dramatic little um like like a facade or whatever, a charade. They want to have this game where they play uh they play offended victims or they play the 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 heroes who are fixing the oppressors and stuff and like that's not what the world's supposed to be like. You're not supposed no. to spend all of your time and energy adjudicating petty disputes. You're supposed well, to why, do stuff. Well, uh, was it? Um... I don't like punishment doesn't work on adults at all. You it can throw people in jail. They're just more likely to say, well, my life's screwed anyway. I might as well do more crime when I get out of jail. Like a lot of people have that mentality. Right. Or when they feel those bad sight, when they get that psychological signal, they'll be like, oh, time to drink. Uh, <laughs> and exactly. time, and uh, but that's why we have to be like with our punishments, we have to be. But an wise. adult drug addict is not going to be dealt with with punishment that won't fix anything. They've already oh. hit their bottom. Like they're living on the street and right. a needle drug that can kill them any day they use it because they don't know where the drug's coming from. It's like, just that's that's an extreme drug. example, which takes like it is extreme but it's 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 an example that almost like oh boy that guy screwed up so bad but what happens when you have someone who's not there yet you have a 23 year old guy who's living with his parents and the only thing he does is play video games like what do you do well you have to be a little wise with your punishment just like we need to be a little wise and like see okay what actually works with drug addicts if a kid is actually spending student loan money on drugs absolutely punish them to the hilt and make them shamed and offended and everything you can think of what if they're taking that student loan money spending it on their tuition and staying home and playing video games and watching movies all day yeah you know like we did when we were 16. because that's a childish (laughs) thing though that like punishment is a response to a child's 
right. inadequacy or insufficient up, um, maturation. But the punishment has to be it has to be thought through. So, like as the person whose responsibility is to be the punisher, or at least the um, judge and sentencer, then you are you have to like you can't just be like belt off whip 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 it's not going to be a good thing you have to say okay um you can't live here anymore well why are you doing this to me it's like this is not a punishment i'm kicking you onto the road like i'm kicking you onto your path and the kick isn't the punishment the kick is just the force putting you there and the punishment is now you have to live your life and and I think that, without that, we we end up with like journalists and stuff who want pitchforks every time somebody does something mm-hmm. wrong. Somebody has got to get canceled or fired or, you know, make a public apology. Like, what does a public apology do? Why do they even do it? Oh, yeah. 20 years ago, I made a sexist joke on, on stage. So I'm apologizing to all women I've ever offended right now on camera so that, you know what I mean? Like, it's so empty. It's shallow and superficial. Like just asking for it is shallow and superficial. The fact that we even demand that of adults in our society shows mm. our immaturity and our and our childishness. The fact that we want to pin up our politicians as some kind of caricatures of evil and doom is just asinine. There's yeah. no way somebody gets into politics without a shred of decency in them. Well, because, and like the there's no that, reward until you're at the top. The whole mature, thing is a grind. The, the 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 whole approach to it of politics is that we think they're trying to set themselves up as like TikTok stars and like a politician is just someone else who's just as idiotic as we are trying to do something. And like the moment you're in politics, you're going to be evil to some people and good to others. Now, to be fair, someone who goes into office and then does a whole bunch of garbage, uh, you know, just an ineffective, uh, I don't know. um, I'm trying to think of an ineffective guy that's not politically charged right now. Um, Kate's Kate's yeah Kate's is a good example if you're from Winnipeg um just an ineffective ruler or you could argue Carter maybe and they just everyone's just like "Mm, nah (laughs) like Kate's was a bit corrupt Um, a bit yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, the whole parking thing like parking Winnipeg is absolutely atrociously not just that but like selling crown assets to his own companies and then like paying himself in shares but like still collecting his paycheck he owned the didn't he still own the gold eyes the 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 baseball team in winnipeg yeah yeah there was a whole bunch of stuff with him so everyone's just kind of like this guy's evil it's like no okay mature you have to be like okay what would a mature person approach this be like he's a bad administrator uh who's not taking the job seriously and uh it's okay to hate that like i really am not satisfied with justin trudeau's uh prime minister stewardship of the country i think most of what he does is a bad move if i had to meet the guy i'd probably be like yeah i'll shake your hand i guess oh i'd want to have a conversation with him yeah and so the mature thing would be okay if you can answer what did you like about him it's like sometimes like his china policy you know his anti-china policy i thought it was pretty cool that he you know, they arrested that, that one, uh, that one, uh, Huawei woman. <laughs> and I thought it was cool how he's playing hardball with China with regard to her. Uh, okay. There, I said something nice about Trudeau, even though I think he's probably trying to take away my guns, <laughs> you know, my rightfully owned property. Um, 
And so that's a sign None of that, that is him personally. That's all no. a facade. It's a charade that they just play politics. But, he represents a party and the party represents a whole bunch of constituents and they don't even talk to their constituents. No. But all of these people got into the game not to make money and get power. Like, why would you want to run Canada? If you wanted power, you would go to another country and run for politics. And well, if you were going to run for politics, it would probably be easier to make a whole bunch of money and just pay off politicians. Politics is a hard job. It's way easier to make a shitload of money and just bribe them. Well, and like, the other part of it... don't go into politics for power and money. They're there because they have some shred of decency in them. So, and they have some knowledge in them, most of them. Yeah. But we just disagree on principles. But that's what discussion is for. You want that in, well, in a politician. And to go back to one of your other points is that, you know, everything where you're like, oh, uh, you're punishing people for not being kind all the time or something. And you, the, these, these people that we keep characterizing, um, now say, uh, you know, Trudeau is trying to look nice as part of his public image and PR team is that he's this, you know, kind, benevolent, uh, woke prime minister that always has the little guy and he looks, he's always smiling. He's always looking, you know, personable and approachable. That's all PR. That's not him. Anybody who gets into politics has to be hard. You have to be uh, thick skinned. You have to be an asshole because you just couldn't do the job without it. You have to sit down and be like, so um, do you wanna keep your job or are you gonna vote for me on this? I will ruin your life because, well, this- That's vote, politics, baby. That's politics. You have <laughs> to, like it's people, everybody wants something. And some of it's like, I need uh, infrastructure deals uh, in my constituent. And then other guys like, why can I not, why are my fishermen not allowed to fish you know, at this time, why, why, like we need, we need retooling of the laws because my fishermen literally aren't allowed to fish because you killed licensing in this other province. And now I'm not allowed to fish. My, my constituents are yelling at me and they're like, well, you know, you have to balance this. And part of that is, you know, smacking people into line, you know, the whip literally is what they call it. Yeah. Party whip. <laughs> and so anybody in politics, they're, they're being nice, but just like a server, they're not smiling on the inside. You know, your server is not happy because they're working as a server. <laughs> they want to go home. But they're also not like these evil, you know, finger tenting demons. Like they're not these bad no. guys, you know. Unless you're Romanian, then that's not the there case. There are a few like Mitch McConnell. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Lukashenko, Putin. There are villains out there. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying <sighs> by and large, the people we elect aren't um, Elon Musk's. <laughs> They're yeah. not out trying to like fix the world for themselves and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Elon Musk is an interesting case. I love Elon own. Musk. He's so interesting. He's he, such... Him alone should have a, his own episode just on like the evolution of humanity. And then there's Elon Musk at the top, like a, this weird branch of our tree in time. Yeah. Well, I'm actually going to take that and segue that a bit. Because one of the things that people complain about, about Elon Musk is like, oh, he works his people so hard. He works his people like, but they don't have to like they can quit like they're working for elon musk in a free country now the people he employs in china are another are another case those are literally slaves you can't convince me otherwise taiwan's a country cancel me buggers taiwan's a country yes <laughs> yeah um so uh language currency military force their own now, politics i don't country. agree with everything he does and i don't have to i'm not elon musk he doesn't have to and 
trying to appease everybody and to think that your per, you know unique perspective is something that someone at the top needs to appease when you're just some guy on the internet you don't matter i'm sorry part of growing up is realizing that you are not the center of the universe that you don't actually matter and being okay with that it's kind of zen and but one of the things is is that the people working for Elon Musk a lot of time now these are people it's like I remember talking to someone he's like oh I hate him he commits he puts so much co2 in the atmosphere and he makes his people work 17 hours a day it's like if you are a rocket scientist or a rocket engineer and you get to work for the people doing the most innovation in rocketry you probably have to tear them away from it to not work 24 hours a day <laughs> And um, and how many people get to work for a boss who puts their own money into a company that's like going bankrupt? Right. I mean, so, I had a boss like that once in my life and I've had like 20 something jobs mm-hmm. and it was a life changing experience working for a man that dedicated to the, the company. Like I wanted the company to succeed so that it would help him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there, and, there are things to love about Elon, but like, I, I mean, a lot of people have. You know, what? Uh, bad regard yeah, a lot of him. people hate him for just stupid ideological like i don't like yeah him like dogecoin and crypto was, and like that's a meme he's like if you take yeah, that smoking seriously. weed on a podcast i'm like whatever man the guy's a billionaire literally he could do that, anything he wants just let him do it it's not that a, big a deal. great <laughs> podcast <laughs> like he's just so chill uh, yeah like, like and, and but he, but nobody's like that about peter Thiel for being obsessive or you know autistic or whatever he is asperger sy- syndrome or something or but like because he's a victim. gross elon yeah. musk isn't a victim elon musk is like some kind of ayn rand uh <laughs> hero where it's just like i'm gonna do my thing oh who's gonna let you do that and you know he's probably gonna go like who's gonna stop me yeah. and on <laughs> but, the flip side though he's like a white guy raised in privilege so like people want to demonize him just because he he was born lucky but like right. well, why, he was born why lucky enough to study coding for for being lucky like you should be happy for other human beings mm-hmm. at the I, same I time though this he mentality where everybody who has more than me is like some demon that i have to knock down and take what they have See, like that's communist rhetoric a lot of times if you mott and bailey those people like oh, there should be no billionaires. And then you, you know, it's like, are you sure? Like what happens if you were accidentally a billionaire and you know, you force What happens if one person creates a whole bunch of super valuable things? Like what if the guy who invents like the greenest concrete and concrete's one of the biggest pollutants in the world. What if that person gave this concrete to everybody and charged the smallest royalty? You could have charged more, but they charged the smallest royalty. Still becomes a multi-billionaire from it. Are you really going to begrudge them when they've changed the world and fixed the climate crisis? Well, and the thing is, is that Elon Musk worked for it. Like he might've been born into privilege, but he's a genius. He he like he invented like he was working on paypal he put the work in like same with jeff bezos and uh and jack dorsey even though i don't like those guys on a personal level that doesn't matter and if they like i don't really need them to know that i think that they're doofuses and so and it's irrelevant too right right (laughs) they're just strangers (laughs) but one of the things that i think of when i think of elon musk is that these people are working on their passion and so Part of being an adult again, part of being a child is you are playing. It doesn't matter. And you have this play. It's this non like there's little responsibility to it. You're, the, the effects of the play 
are not going to have much impact. And so it's safe. It's like playing a video game and then pressing save uh, every time you get to a hard part so you can, you know, you know, quick save or something. And so there's not really I'm much so in it. I'm so bad for that. <laughs> oh, there's some games where it's like necessary. It's just like these bosses are so hard. You need to just... But at the same time, you once you find something that has meaning and you want to... you An, an adult will realize that sacrifices towards certain things are not necessary but healthy you know you you work 16 hours a day on a project well why you well so i could be rich it's like no because it enriches your life you are a rocket engineer so what are you going to do well i'm working with rockets how happy is that person to be working that long you know someone making video games a lot of times they mistreat them and a lot of these calls for uh you know people in the video game industry now a lot of companies do treat their employees badly but if you're working in video games, it you might have to actually be reminded, dude, get paid for your work. Don't do work that you're not getting paid for. Oh man, I would just, you know, you have you might have to remind them that their sacrifice needs to be rewarded. Um, and this happens a lot. Like um I don't like I don't really like, like I'm volunteering technically right now at the provincial archives. Um, but I'm still getting something out of it, even though I'm putting the work in. And so what it is as an adult is to see that calculus of your actions and to know that what you're doing is important. But a lot of times, and this is different than play. So I'm trying to contrast play and work, the sacrifice for reason where, and then activity without any, without any consequences, because all of your activity at work will have consequences you do a bad job you get fired but if you're just playing a game oh it's just a game don't worry and this is what a lot of these children are complaining about you know these 30 year old 40 year old children are complaining about is like i want a job that's safe i want a job that i can't lose from doing a bad job and this is this is definitely hurting us because part of being an adult is um is finding that is finding that thing that you're good at at least in a free society because a lot of the rules change when you're in a communist or um feudalist or uh, uh fundamentalist society being an adult means a lot more closer to like um i, don't know, I think our play changes taking too. a role like our play <laughs> but, becomes part of our work when we're older yes. When you're a kid, everything is a game because you have no concept of real life until until you receive a whole bunch of stimulus right. over years and years and years and, you know, become self-aware or whatever in your teens. But like after you become self-aware, you become selfish or less selfish. Sorry. First, you're, you're born selfish where all you do is cry for food and you get food. You cry when yeah, you're wet. You have you to be. Wiped. Was it babies are inherently selfish and because yeah. they have to be. And, but once you're self-aware, like eight, nine years old or whatever, you start to think of like personality traits and identity and who you want to be, what your interests are, your favorite colors, like all these really rudimentary questions that like adults don't ask each other what their favorite colors are, right? Sometimes <laughs> they do. As a tendency. <laughs> yeah. But as you get older and part of that transition into adulthood starts, you start thinking about yourself in the world, like mm -hmm. the world becomes part of you because you're you're born into the world. And it's like you're, you're not just integrate. born into your body and your mind, you're born into your body and your mind in the world. Mm -hmm. So you and need to integrate yourself into the world. 
changing the world though with a childish play perspective like you want to just have um like it's like running around with the monopoly board and like taking other people's pieces and like being that micromanager that fixes everything for yeah so everything's perfect and neat and fair and nobody plays with you know bills that are, are ripped up or whatever the difference is consequences well the thing is they don't realize the consequences because they're ignorant of the actual world Right, they're mm. trying to fix the world, but they have a childish idea of the world because they never experienced it. Well, then the world backlashes upon them. Like we've all had the world backlash upon us, every single yeah. one of us. Why did you do that? The rude uh, awakening, I call them. Yeah, and we like I've had a couple. Um, few we're not going to talk about on here. Uh, <laughs> um, there was a cat involved and an abandoned house. That's as much as I'm going to say. Um, but uh, there rude awakening you shouldn't have been doing that and a lot of times like when you're playing a video game or when you're when you're when you're watching tv you're not you know the people get out of it or the people are clever enough to deal with it because they're in different situations than you but being an adult is knowing your situation integrating it just like you said but the consequences between play and work are you know uh, play and adult play i guess are different because you are um you're dealing with the consequences of your action. You're always dealing with the consequences of your action. If you're not attentive to that, then the consequences are just going to smack you in the face. And then everyone says, oh, but what if we had not those consequences? What if we made it so that everyone, people just wouldn't kill people? Or what if we just told guys not to rape women? It's just, it's like, whoa, well, that's not how it works. You have to be aware of your surroundings. You have to be aware of the chaos in the system. But you also have to be aware that you might not actually be good enough. Um, mm -hmm. And and it's not a personal slight to be less good at something. Like it's well, they didn't hire that's... me because I'm black or because I'm trans or because I'm. Uh, but this even or if that. somebody's smarter than me or better at math and they do their job better because I'm, I have a math heavy job or whatever, it mm -hmm. says nothing about my value as a human being if that other human being just happens to be better at their job. You know right. what I mean? Like it's not. It's not um, a, a threat to me. Well, and if at it's, work, it's, though, when you have these children who don't mature into like proper adults, every little thing is a threat. You say like you didn't do that as well as I, I'd like you to do it like this. Don't come to me with incomplete uh, forms like I want a complete form and then I'll process it. Like just simple, basic, let's do our jobs together type of stuff. Right. Comes like tears and, and, you know, like sitting down with an arbitrator and spending an hour on like making, writing down statements of inclusivity need, or whatever. I need a safe room. Yeah. Like wasting all this time on, you know, being but like the energy and the expertise, like you're getting somebody 12 years of education, then five years of university education, then five more years of work, like practicum and, and work related. And then they come to a workplace and they just administer all these like disputes that shouldn't even exist because well, people aren't get, growing the fuck up. You get like social justice <laughs> counselors, like, um, what's this? Like there's like Ibram X Kendi and stuff. They go around and they get paid like, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah, to like consult businesses and to say now let's all look at our privilege which is just a way of saying like we need to make life more fair life needs to be fair no part of being an adult is realizing that life isn't fair and then going ahead with your life in spite of that and it's it's like oh you're born a certain way yeah i didn't i wasn't born with an arm oh well we should make it so that that person like no i'm not going to treat a person without an arm 
as if they have an arm or I'm not going to like say, well, because so-and-so doesn't have an arm, everyone else in the workplace has to also like be put at that their arm level. behind their shoulders. Yeah. It's like an old, uh, Kurt Vonnegut book where, you know, he went to the future or something and everyone's like, Oh, if you're too pretty, you have to wear a face mask and everyone's got to have handicaps. You know, it's like, no, we are all supposed to play off of our strengths. And, and speaking as a disabled person, I wouldn't want anybody to act disabled to help me or make me feel better about it. You know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. that's absolutely ridiculous. It does nothing to solve the problem. It costs everybody. Mm. Even if it doesn't cost money, people don't want to be forced to do stuff, especially if it's meaningless. Like, mm. especially if it's meaningless. If you're being forced to, to treat somebody differently, specifically because of the color of their skin, and you're telling them don't be racist but treat this one person differently right like what what messages are you sending there you're not fixing the world's problems you're causing them <laughs> right well it's um i don't know i just i keep thinking i got like two examples of this in my head one of them is the police uh when i was applying for the the winnipeg police force it's easier to get into the police force if you're a woman or if you're a uh, aboriginal well and i think that's not fair you know but blah, 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 blah. it's like well, they do need more Aboriginal people for yeah. the nature of the job in Winnipeg, period. So then it's helpful to the police force to have somebody who actually understands the culture. And it's not a slight against me. They're not being like, oh, well, you know, we don't need you. You know, honestly, I was, I was, I, I, I was, I was crap. I, I didn't do good. I, I, I had a, it gave me a growing experience and it matured me, but, um, you know, you need to take the L and move on. But at the same time, the other thing is that, you get at the other side of this, if you, if I make a big fuss of it, I'm like doing exactly what you said. I'm making it worse. I'm making the situation, you know, rah, 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 there's racism against white people. It's like, well, yeah, there is. Of course there is. There's racism against every group. Like calm down, like move on and just don't be the guy being the racist. Yeah. Just speak out against racism. Don't, don't create it. <laughs> but then you get, um, I don't know, like uh, some of my wife's uh, classmates who are just stuck there uh, claiming that they need to be uh, given special preference because, you know, there's racism against them or something. Or uh, one of my favorite ones was like um, this one guy said uh, <laughs> that to this one, this one guy said, oh, you know, I got an email, something about a Nigerian prince. Uh, and some girl who was Nigerian was like, that's racism. And she outed him for that publicly. None of these, neither of these people were white, but you know, you can't say anything and you end up because you're seeing slice and because you don't want a world and you, you want everything to be fair and just, you're actually just stirring things up and you end up making things uh, more, well, just like you said, you're, you're making things worse. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that all comes down to like a lack of maturity fundamentally is when people mm -hmm. are getting that offended over simple things like pronouns or um, microaggressions or whatever, like the whole radical left movement is an immaturity. It's just screaming immaturity because right. that's what children do. That's not fair. And then they want to change it by punishing people. Because that's what you do in elementary school. You well, punish kids when they act when they act out. Well, you could extend that to adult rattle. thing. Would be here's a here's a scripted proposal of changes we could make, and here's the data and how that will fix the problem. Like, 
yeah. you actually produce some type of solution when you're an adult or you say nothing. If you mm -hmm. can't think of a better plan than affirmative action, say nothing. If somebody asks your opinion, you give your opinion and you don't like slander people personally. And those well, people don't get offended that you have an opinion. Like, and it's the that's same, how you act as an adult. It's the same exact thing as saying something like, now this is going to be very historically relevant. It's the same thing as saying, you know, oh, the Jews did this, um, which is kind of a joke. I mean, you stub your toe and went, oh, the Jews did this, which is <laughs> funny because the whole idea that the Jews would just sit there and, you know, plan you stubbing your toe or you getting a car crash or something. Or, yeah, well, they all know, conspired against you. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's absolutely asinine. And But that's that selfishness of children, right? They yeah. think that the world is out to get them because the whole world cares about them. Nobody cares about you. Unless you're super rich or really, really good looking, nobody cares about you. <laughs> so to yeah. think the whole world is out to get you, you'd have to be really rich or really pretty or both. Well, and you don't need on like seeing what's in, again, again, the part of the maturity is seeing us important and like who actually does care about you? Well, your family. Well, my wife cares about me. I'm pretty sure my cat cares about me. He's sleeping over there. <laughs> more but, or less. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Uh, and that's the, that's the things that I should be interested in. And like, I don't know, going online and raving about stuff. Wait, isn't that what we're doing right now? <laughs> but I guess what we're trying to do here is come to a, a consensus about, no, not a consensus. We're coming, we're trying to, sorry, my brain just farted there. We're trying to come to a understanding of what it means to actually have grown up. And if you're, there's certain things about it that when that really point away from it and part of being is have like immature reactions to things, uh, not trying to see uh, the nature of what you're engaged with. Um, living in your parents' basement is a big, uh, is a big dog whistle for you still being a child. But a lot of it is when I grew up, I started not being interested in certain childish things like stuff just stopped being interesting and one thing i noticed i, I oh man i hope nobody none of them are watching I'm kind of gonna call them out here um i worked at a board game restaurant which is kind of fun you know you can come in just do something trivial for a bit while over a meal play a board game it's not my thing i liked a few of them but it was i just could never get into it but that was their life their life was wrapped up in tri trivia and trivial things and it just seemed like they hadn't left the playground and they were just you know you know interested in magic cards and board games and everything was with regard to a board game and like yeah the way like, i see it it's kind of like those guys with the train set right they can yeah. be professional heavy duty mechanics at work and then they come home and play with their trains no big yes. deal they make bottle ships and bottles or whatever no big mm -hmm. deal it's the, it's the people who get stuck in that rut and they just rock back and forth, right? Yeah. Or they, they just play games and go to board games and make enough money to pay rent so they can play more games and play more board games. And you know what yeah. I mean? They just back and forth over and, and over. To me, again. that's that's an absolute and utter tragedy in for me. Cause like, it's a waste of life, I think. Yeah, that's that's why it's a tragedy. Like you get to the end and like, well, what did you what did you what did what did you do? And I'll be like, oh, I made a shelf. It's like that's better but here's the nothing. thing like what do you remember from a lifetime of that like you might you'll remember the games and you'll remember your score and a couple times you had a really big win and 
but like that's nothing compared to like Niagara Falls or, you know, building a car or, you know, backpacking across Europe, like things that you actually remember on your deathbed. Things that, <laughs> yeah, things, well, it doesn't, and I like, think the thing is that when you are an adult, what are you interested in is things that add or things that integrate with your life. Like I, I'm starting to get like my pursuits. I don't know. I, I like, I talk about firearms a lot, but like I do a lot of tinkering and but a lot of what like I build shelves in my spare time, like I've got a closet here that I, you know, shelved up so I could you know, store things in it. And uh, like a lot of my interests are aligning with um, having my life right now have more meaning and integrating my life and creating beauty in my in my surroundings. And so that I can lead a richer life rather than just live something trivial and there is room for the trivia because like we had that entire episode about video games and mm. why you know it's okay to rest it's okay but you can't let that be your life when everything like you said is geared towards just that 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 that, 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 that like a playing a video game it's like what do you do oh i play league of legends or something it's like jesus buddy like you're 26 like you have a job but like that's different from like two hours on a weekend or after work or something and yeah. not and like all the time you know what i mean where you don't cook you don't clean you don't exercise you don't go outside and breathe air and talk to human beings at coffee shops like i'm not saying you have to live this extravagant life for it to be worthwhile and like you know backpacking across europe my favorite yeah. times in my life was just walking down the street sitting outside in the morning and having a coffee on a patio at my coffee shop familiar people i know neighborhood people just walking by just peaceful you know what i mean like it doesn't have to be flashy and extravagant to be worthwhile and meaningful like well there's no problem with having um vices or um or game like not just games but like anything you come home to like your sitcoms or tv shows or with some people it's the soap operas i watch hockey <laughs> like yeah or, or sports is huge people doesn't... get really really into sports and there's nothing absolutely nothing wrong with that but no. when it's all consuming and all encompassing and you can't function function at a normal civic level like mm -hmm. when you neglect your civic duties to play a game that's a problem yeah. when you don't create commitments and sacrifice your free time to have a greater um an exploration of greater things like i'm not saying people have to get married to be like successful in life but i'm saying if you don't make commitments to people then you never experience it right you're missing and out on this huge point of life because of some childish self-centered self-interest right well you've integrated yourself into the society and that's and you and have just being outside and exercise taking care of your body like all of these like cooking spending time to cook yeah I, I can't drill that enough not just because it's good for your health but the meditation of preparing food is good for your brain that matures you that creates a, an adulthood in you that but helps then, you manage stuff at work so you don't get offended so easily like they sound these, like they're disconnected but they're not in my one opinion. of the things that you're saying like cook and you you march across not march across here maybe you don't do that <laughs> you're stepping um, you, yeah you walk yeah <laughs> just to walk. offend the neighbors like where are you going next <laughs> i am going into poland next but um Strudel. no you uh backpack across you know foreign lands and stuff and you're learning stuff but the problem is, is that a lot of like what we're doing nowadays that we're seeing the shallow aspects of these we're seeing oh uh, with regard to like facebook posts and instagram and all that garbage um is that you you have an image of it and you do it for 
the shallow representation. I'm someone that backpacked across Europe. You're not someone who learned a bunch of stuff while backpacking across Europe, mm -hmm. you know, or learned like about I, yourself or anything. I went to Italy for two weeks and I learned a whole bunch of lessons. It's not like, oh, I was in Italy. It was great. No, it's like, man, I learned a stupid amount of lessons. Like, uh, well, it was a historical tour. So I learned like a lot of that, but it made when me very appreciative Mexico, of being like, in Canada. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, and or, I was just going to say when I was teaching in Mexico, I went to an orphanage and like that just opened my, my eyes. I never before realized how rich we are in Canada, even though oh, yeah. I was poor my whole life. And like, I was dead scared of being poor forever. Like that was my, my, my oh. prime motivator, even as a child to try and start working. But I when I saw same... true poverty, like true abject poverty and like um, dogs that are emaciated dogs, just trolling around the neighborhood and stuff like that. Like the fact that I could go home and work and send money to help these people, just yeah. the idea of it was like, uh, now I'm not motivated just by poverty. I'm motivated to fix the world. Well, I remember I had the same feeling going into one of our friend's places. Uh, it was by um, Bourbon Street Billiards. It was around there and we went in. I can't remember which of your friends it was. I think it was probably Naga. Yeah, I think it was Naga. And we went to his place and there's just people yelling. Like I knew Naya was like a good guy. And I just went into this place and I was just like the place itself made me be like, all I wanted to do at that point, like was write an essay, go apply for a job. Like I already have a job, <laughs> apply for a bed, like do something so that you don't end up here in this. Like I, it just, the place had a, like an aura about it. I hate saying like that, but it had a feeling about that it to me some of my best memories <laughs> <laughs> oh no i i loved hanging I mean, out with it's them. just different between people that's all yeah it was the, the place situation itself too. i just remember it so vividly that like there was like you know you know when you see in a movie and they go into an apartment building and they want to make it seem sketchy so they have like you know, husband and wife arguing behind a door yeah, like it yeah. had that <laughs> and like people's doors are wide open and there's like a, a couch sitting on the front lawn like, yeah in it's, a dumpster it's it wasn't a it wasn't a good place. And I was just, I felt the urge to do something with my life instantly there. It's like, I should be right. I should be studying right now. <laughs> and, and to me, it felt like home, like a community, you know, when, when strangers or guests come over, you clean up and vacuum and everything looks perfect. But like when yeah. your friends and family come over who are always over, you know, it's just, it's oh, laid back. It's chill. <laughs> like I, it's chill, but it's chill in a vacuumed living room for me yeah, yeah i'm just saying it's different between people but like it's neat that those types of situations can inspire yeah. different thoughts and different people too and what but what i think is that we have like we're getting a lot of shallow representations of what it of what maturity is and like oh look i took a I'm, i did i did something artistic it's like cool like yeah. i don't care like and you want your you want the presentation of adulthood instead of actual adulthood and then people don't understand actual adulthood and they like a lot of times you can tell because you'll say something and someone will cower in front of you and i just find it absolutely insane or they'll say oh wow you're so self-aware it's like am i like i guess like i am self-aware but like you should be too like this isn't something strange this is something you should all aspire to have and and again, just, I can't help but drill this home and this will be my final comment on the subject matter, but this is why philosophy is important. <laughs> this is why philosophy is important to have these thoughts 
to mature, to yeah. grow as a person, to like refine your goals and your values and your core principles, your driving motivations, everything that inspires you. You think it through with philosophy because it forces you to like hit every angle of every thought. Well, you know what I mean? And I'll that in the phrase is critical to like growth I'll, and development and living a full life. Well, my coin phrase maybe like philosophy. daily philosophy or like the, the the banal philosophy of just like, well, we both did this and we both said we did this coming back to the beginning probably a good place to start wrapping up is oh, that oh, i like that <laughs> is that when i was 14 and waking up in my bed at 14 going like all right i need to become a man now that was the start of a philosophical journey that was started me being like why what am i doing what am i doing who am i i don't know who i am why do i need to grow up like what am i dissatisfied with and um what do I need to do to become a man? And it's for me, I think that is a lot of what we talked about today. Now, one of the things I realized is that this is applicable to both sexes. If you are a man, becoming a man is the same thing as becoming a woman. Oh, all 10 sexes. <laughs> There's 10 mm. of them now. Oh, you are a bigot. <laughs> Don't you know about the, 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 the infinity? Yeah, you got to grow into your queerdom. <laughs> the infinity rainbow god they've ruined rainbows rainbows were so cool but now they're just they're just a political tool and i i'm sad. just saying like every no matter what your pre your mm. what do you call that proclivity is well that's why i say man grow and woman it. because you 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 you're contrasting that with girl and boy when you're a boy it's something specific when you're a man that's something different and what it means to do requires that that, that, that work to be put in. And it's the same type of work. It's the same questions as going from being a girl to a woman. And that's the same process. It's different stuff, but it's going to be different for every single individual. Like we said, like I got, when I went into that one apartment, I got that like time to mature. And I was pretty well on my way to be being mature even at that point. But I knew I still had a far, fair ways to go. And you had the same feeling when you went into uh well, the gratitude too but the same feeling when you went into that orphanage like you said we had the we had the same process was going on but mm -hmm. it was unique to our individual and it's gonna be different for men and women but it's still the same process it's still the same process and the ultimate part of it i think this is where i'm gonna full stop is acceptance of that personal responsibility the ability to say i got this i me ego uh in the latin i've got this and not i'm gonna let somebody else do it i'm gonna extend myself as much as i can i'm gonna be the action the person who is active and taking uh, uh a role in my life and that's what's happening when you're parenting you're the one providing i'm gonna take this i'm gonna give i'm gonna provide I'm going to do so that you can go and eventually say, okay, now I'm going to provide. And, and that's similar to that decisiveness you were talking about. That yeah. was like your ideal man back then. Yeah. And so it's the person that's willing to take personal responsibility. And that's what it comes down to. Um, yeah. I think that's pretty much all I got to say. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for listening. You've been tuned into Frivolous Gravitas as always with myself, Christopher Driver, and me. <laughs> Jordan, <laughs> bye.
Uh, catch us on iTunes, RSS feed in the description. Links are in the description. We're on Facebook and social media and stuff. So we don't ask for your money. We just ask for your likes. Thumb me. Money. Finger me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Or demonetize the whole video for me. Then. <laughs> Give me a <laughs> thumbs up. My ass. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Thanks for the cock. <laughs>